Hello, everybody. It's Alex. Uh, apparently, on my first day back, we had a lot to do. So we did a Twitter space uh, all about the Intuit MailChimp deal worth some $12 billion. So we could not help ourselves but to get on the mics and do a chat. What follows is pretty loose. It's not super edited. Uh, we did not make Chris work very late today. We just wanted to share the conversation in case you weren't around. So please enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast, where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. My name is Alex. I'm back from vacation, and I have the crew here. I have Danny Crichton. Danny, say hello. Hi, I'm here. Yes, you are. We also have Natasha Moscarenas, who cut her lunch short to be here with us today, so she gets five extra points. Hi, Tosh. Hi, hi. Happy to be here. And kind of hungry. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm literally a taco on a plate right here that's calling my name, but I haven't gotten to finish it because news broke. The Intuit deal has finally happened. Danny, please tell the people what has happened. Uh, Intuit announced just, what, 30 minutes ago that it's buying MailChimp, the email marketing newsletter uh, company, for $12 billion total consideration. That's a mix of cash and stock. And uh, this is big news. We've had it rumored for a couple of weeks now. Bloomberg had rumored $10 billion I want to say a month ago, there have been other, other rumors. There's also been discussions that the company was going to go to a private equity firm. So there was clearly a process being run the last couple of weeks, but it seems like Intuit took the pole position with the largest check. Um, and it's a big deal. MailChimp, 20-year-old company, and Natasha, um, they have a little bit of a unique story. Yeah, so they went the bootstrapped route after they were founded kind of in 2001. And that's usually something that people do when they can't find traditional venture capital funding. It's coming back into conversation right now with a lot of heavyweights like Calumly, really proving that you can be a high-valued business and be bootstrapped. Um, once MailChimp's transact, when the transaction of MailChimp closes, it will probably be one of the biggest. Yeah, I think Dan Premack said that it was going to be the biggest bootstrap deal ever. But I just realized that Calendly also hasn't raised funding. Is that correct? Now raised funding. No, they've now oh, raised funding, but it was bootstrapped for many years. But the other thing, Alex, because you were going to point out is that these two actually have uh, something in common, which is a, a city. The city of Atlanta, America's uh, kind of cultural capital, if you will. I didn't put that together, Natasha. Thanks for bringing that up. But like it goes to show that you can build enormous companies outside of the confines of traditional startup hubs here in the U.S., like, I don't know, Boston, New York, San Francisco. And you can do it without um, ample external capital and still end up with a decacorn valuation. I think it's quite the endorsement of uh, the many ways you can build a, a company today. I have so many rabbit holes that I want to go down on like the bootstrapped aspect, but I think we should start with why or if this makes sense for Intuit. Um, Alex, you go first, then Danny. Alex okay. is about to kill someone. You can't see this on video if you're on the space, but like Alex is like literally jumping out of his chair right now. It, it's true. It's it true because no when I... That's exactly it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like... <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when Intuit bought Credit Karma, I went, okay, it's a financial service aimed at consumers going to a company that sells financial services to consumers. When they bought Mint back in 2009, an old TechCrunch 50 company, that made good sense to me. Um, but this is, this is Intuit. This is the company that makes TurboTax and QuickBooks. And to me, Danny, I, I'm struggling to really connect in any sort of strong manner where MailChimp fits into this other than being, you know, kind of like an upsell channel for QuickBooks, maybe? I don't know. Well, I think it's actually an expansion. I, don't, I wouldn't even say it's an up uh, upsell, right? It's actually an expansion to a new product line. So if you look at Intuit, it's always, always focused on financial products, you know, exactly as you just talked about. QuickBooks, um, TurboTax for consumers, but it always owned the financial data. 
And it became the system of record for that. And that's really key for a lot of small, medium businesses. If you own the financial data, you own kind of the customer. I think the next step, and you've seen this transition with e-commerce over the last decade, is owning the customer relationship is now the most critical part of any SMB. You want to own the customer, not just the, the customer data or the marketing data. And that's where MailChimp comes in, because now you go from, well, I have this financial data and I have the accounting product to, I actually have the CRM, I actually know who these people are, I know how the revenues connect into my email newsletter, description base, et cetera. Um, it's a huge upsell. And obviously it's not going to be included as part of the suite. It's now more money. Uh, but I actually think it's highly relevant. Um, Intuit in its press release described it as um, fulfilling one of their two big bets, which is one of the bets is disrupting uh, small business mid-market. Um, and I was actually very confused at why they're disrupting the mid-market as opposed <laughs> to trying to buy it or get people to buy products in that market. But that is neither here nor there. Okay, so I, I would, Danny did call out the one sentence in the press release that made some sense to me, although it did kind of just end with and disrupt the small business mid-market. There's a word missing there. It feels like when I read There's it. There's a word missing. Like, are we writers? <laughs> Sorry, I read everything through a critical lens. No, I get paid it. to make words appear, Natasha, <laughs> as do you. Uh, but the sentence before that in the release reads as follows. And this is a bit of corporate speak that I can't really parse. So help me out, guys. The planned acquisition of MailChimp for approximately $12 billion in cash and stock advances into its mission of powering prosperity around the world and its strategy of become strategy to become an AI-driven expert platform. That to me is literally the distilled epitome, the cask strength corporate bullshit. I, I have nothing further to say. I won't defend that. I won't defend it. I will say um, what's interesting here. So to get into some of the financial details uh, and less of the gobbledygook, but actual, you know, considering we're talking about a financial accounting company, they do have yes. some financial details here. So um, top line, 12 billion equal parts uh, shares and cash. So they're going to get shares and into it. The number of shares were determined on a trailing sale price of the last five days. So the number yep. of shares was fixed as of today. Obviously the final sale price when it closes will be determinative of Intuit's stock. Um, and then the uh, critical part is, um, you know, because it's bootstrapped, the founders actually own the company. Um, there are no external investors. We actually had Ben Chestnut on stage at Disrupt. I want to say, what, two years ago, 2019, back when we it were was in person? 2019, yeah. Um, which was w one of our great uh, Atlanta panels uh, where we had, uh, uh, what was it, Ca Cabbage, the fintech company, uh, which had raised $4.5 in in equity and debt. And then you had Ben Chestnut who had raised nothing. And we were doing this <laughs> panel of like, compare and contrast what it's like to be bootstrapped and doing four and a half billion. Let me just tell you, it's one of the most awkward panels I've ever hosted because at some point you were like, they're just different companies. You like can't. How many ways can we disagree like you, in 30 once, minutes? Once you have gone down the route of raising billions of dollars and not raising billions of dollars, there's really nothing more to talk about. Nonetheless, um, the share price is expected to close in the second quarter of the fiscal 2022. Um, and what I thought was interesting is they're going to give several hundred million to employees. So 200 million um, is going to be dispensed 140 million over four years and then 60 over the next six months. So if you work at MailChimp, and according to the press release, 1,200 of you do, that's $60 million, I guess, in the next couple of weeks, which is not Isn't so that bad. 50,000 a person? I so actually can't 5, do that. I flew today, so I'm going to pretend I can't do math. I, I will. I will add, I think that the, I actually missed the employee payout metric, but I noticed that the founders had chosen to not to do profit sharing and bonuses instead of like that equity structure we see with a lot of these private companies that are worth a lot of money. So I'm glad that they're thinking of the employees. I wasn't sure if that I was actually going to bring that up and roast them for just winning themselves as founders. 
<laughs> well, you know, one of the interesting things if you actually focus on a lot of non-Silicon Valley or New York markets is um, employees oftentimes don't want equity. I mean, this is actually one of the interesting dynamics you get into a place. I, I, I don't want to judge all Atlanta startups or all, you know, secondary city startups, but Oof. a lot of employees don't ask for equity. They want cash. They're not familiar with equity. Uh, they don't have a lot of proof points of where equity has turned people into multimillionaires or whatever. So if you don't have those models, you don't ask for it. Uh, you can oftentimes pay cash. And I think that was the story of MailChimp is actually people just wanted salary in the local market and they got it, uh, which now probably looks uh, foolish for a lot of those folks. Uh, but people were paid over the last couple of years. It's yeah. kind of. It's, it was just, it's kind of funny. I was talking to a founder the other day that was like trying to recruit someone. And she was basically like, I like the company, but not enough to take equity. And she was just super frank with him and was like, I want salary because I don't know where this company is going to go. And most startups fail. And I was like, that seems like a healthy, transparent conversation to have in recruiting these days. And I do think like MailChimp getting to the scale and obviously becoming part of this podcast right now, like, well, at least maybe start some of those conversations too at companies. Well, for sure. And I, I think it's actually interesting because one of the biggest challenges, if you're into it, spending $12 billion, including, I didn't add this, but 4 to $5 billion in debt to close this transaction. One of the big fears you have is that all the best employees are going to leave, that they walk out the door, they've made their millions, their equity is worth a lot, they just walk out. Um, strangely, that's not the case as far right. as we can tell from this case. So actually, there's no incentive for a lot of folks to just leave on day one. And that's something that you don't actually see with most startups and is a dynamic that's not usually a part of the corporate development process. I want to go back in time a little bit because I just realized that we haven't brought up Twilio and SendGrid yet. I mean, this is a deal that now is three years old. It was a 2018 transaction, but it was a, a, a company that was not in the email marketing space, spending several billion dollars on an email marketing provider, which makes me feel like my TechCrunch piece on this deal was probably 5% too snarky. Now that I uh, sit here and, and think about it. Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, look, there have been multiple generations of email marketing software. You had uh, Constant Contact was sort of oh, the yeah. 1990s. MailChimp comes out in 2001. Then most recently with Clavio in the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. And uh, we recently did a, a huge deep dive in Clavio with an EC1 on Extra Crunch. One of the things I really learned in that is, is, is MailChimp, I, I don't want to say it's peaked, but it's definitely, there's a reason it's selling now. Right. It is it is a generation behind of a lot of other folks, particularly Clavio, which just raised at a 10 billion dollar valuation just what, three, four months ago. So its major competitor just closed out the, the books at 12 billion and and Clavio is heading towards an IPO. I think it's been rumored, but I don't think I don't think it's ever filed, but it, it's been rumored for the last couple of weeks. Um, so so clearly, I think there was a timing piece where folks had built the company. It's been two decades in maximize the value, still a lot of opportunity for growth and product or whatever, but there's this new generation of companies like Clavio and quite a few others that are really more folks, I would call it on the human-centric communications method. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of MailChimp in positive terms. I mean, I've used the product. I mean, here at TC, we use Marketo, which kind of feels like a similar generation, if you will, Denny. Yes. Um, and they're fine. They're absolutely fine. They look like they were made in 1997, um, but they do what they're, they do what they're, you know, kind of on the label. It comes out. Uh, but can I just say that Intuit is making a pretty big bet here. This is roughly 10% of its market cap. That's not a small amount of money. 12 billion to Microsoft or to Apple or to Alphabet, eh, whatever. It's, you know, 0.5% or whatever. But this is, <laughs> this is roughly 10%. Intuit's worth about 122 billion. So this is an enormous kind of levering up of its balance sheet to take this company on. And given that Danny's pointing out that private equity is interested, probably it's not growing that fast. So I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what 
what kind of value they can derive from this in the near term to avoid writing off an enormous totally. amount of I mean, goodwill Alex, in a very embarrassing time. To put you on the spot, that's how is the I'm stock stuck. prices reaction? Like, what has it told you? Is it impressive? Are people? How do people feel about it? <laughs> well, people should just feel the way I feel about things because I'm always right. Uh, for starters, so here's the here's the issue with with this sort of thing. Danny pointed out earlier okay. on that it's been rumored for about a month. And the market has a method of pricing things in as they kind of become increasingly known. And this has been pretty much, it's felt baked for some time. We were waiting for the official announcement. We were waiting for the official dollar amount. But, you know, I think Katie, um, one of the founding co-hosts of Equity over at Bloomberg now, uh, actually scooped this was happening about a month ago. So it's been pretty, pretty prevalently known. So today, Intuit shares are only up 0.1% after hours. But like, it's kind of... You know, the horses left the bar and now we're just comparing how quickly they closed the door. It's, it's, it's kind of a moot point. Um, looking back a little bit further, they have given up um, about $40 a share in the last uh, month or so, but they're worth uh, $1,027 per share. So not a material movement. You would almost expect more of a reaction from Wall Street when the company spends 10% <laughs> oh my God. of its value. If I spend 10% of my value, it would be like two fact. Happy Meals. But still, it would be a, it would be a change that I have to run past well, the counter. Look, look, I'm into it and bought an NFT for $12 billion. The stock would have doubled. That's the world. SEO, do your <laughs> thing right in. now. <laughs> they should have gone all in on Solana. I mean, come on now. Sushi Swap, other words, blockchain. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing that I, that I want to close this off with which is the number of deals we've seen we've seen a couple of 10 billion dollar transactions this year we're heading into ipo season i don't know three for the year something like that uh danny are we gonna see hot liquidity christmas you know i i think you're you know as you're talking about the 10 percent number you know i i actually think these sorts of large transactions just have not been very common uh, you know, the last one that came to mind, I was just on the call with Natasha as we're catching up this morning, but NVIDIA and ARM, you know, the $45 billion <laughs> transaction, which looks like it's heading into um, a really bad spot from a regulatory perspective. It's terrible when you have four regulators and they're all like asking questions. Um, it looks like it's going to be in challenge. But I, I think these sorts of big, you know, given the antitrust model uh, you're seeing in, in the EU, certainly in China, in the US with Lena Khan and some others joining, like, I just don't expect to see these sorts of big corporate transactions as frequently anymore. So to me, I, I do think you're going to see more private equity. I think last week we saw the Drift, um, a, a CRB mm -hmm. company, my former employer, uh, was bought by Vista Equity uh, for a majority buyout at a billion dollar plus. I do think that the Vistas <laughs> and some of the other heavy SaaS operators are still going to be laugh, very busy. Sadly. There's still a lot to be done. <laughs> Obviously, our own company uh, was bought last week and closed for Apollo. Not, not for 10 billion. Not you for know, 10 billion. We, we are we, worth, ladies and gentlemen. TechCrunch is rebranding as TechChimp uh, in order to pull on the valuation advantage on, on Wall Street that comes with uh, a marsupial uh, uh, adjective. But, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of transactions, a lot of liquidity, or as, as the PE folks down the street like to call it, there's a lot of dry powder. They should have a bot and, that uh, does no like a thing it. every time we use a new word on the store, so, on the show. Can we can we pause and talk about the phrase marsupial adjective? Because that's, that's a first <laughs> on the show. Um, you know, this is the problem... <laughs> This is the problem with a live show is that we don't get to cut all of my ridiculous lines because <laughs> there's always these comments that just get snipped out in the final edit that I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, it's true. 
Uh, I will say, though, going back to Danny's point about $10 billion exits, as kind of a threshold for what we might call a mega deal, for lack of a better phrase, in kind of today's market. You know, the Discord Microsoft deal was supposed to be $10, $11, 12000000000 billion, and that got scuppered. Why? Because Discord could raise more money at a better price and stay private and, and stay independent. And so I wonder if part of the reason why we're not seeing deals that are, you know, this, this made us sit up straight. It made our eyebrows go up. You know, I was like, hot dang, $12 billion. I wonder if, frankly, we're just seeing the, the Tigers and Vision Fund 2s of the world allowing companies to just avoid both going public and pursuing any sort of uh, material liquidity because they're secondary in the market that uh, de-risks, you know, things. And uh, uh, fine, but I mean, it doesn't make me excited. Well, I think it's interesting. If you think of this as 50-50, you know, stock cash, right? You're actually getting a lot of Intuit <laughs> stock. What was missing oh, from God. this press release is, is why is Ben not going on the board? <laughs> I mean, when, when, when LinkedIn was bought by, by Microsoft, I believe Reid Hoffman went up to the board. And we've seen that sort of pattern a lot. You know, um, uh, Jan Cohen, the, the founder of WhatsApp, I believe was on the Facebook board post the WhatsApp transaction. I was a part of that deal, if I'm recalling my details from nine years correctly. Um, why is he not there? I mean, if I, if I just got like a huge amount of my net asset in a company like this, seems like an obvious, there's a, that was just missing from the press release. I, I thought it was fascinating that no one was just discussing the board dynamic so there. Two ways to go about this. One, they didn't want him on the board. That's a diss. Or he didn't want to be on the board, which is a better diss, in my view. Much, much ruder if it goes the other direction. Um, look, we should stop, but I just want to, before we go, keep in mind that Intuit is the company behind TurboTax, and they lobby Congress to make it hard for us to file our taxes so they can keep collecting rents on all of us regular folks. And so while we are discussing a relatively fun exit for a technology company from Atlanta, we are also discussing a pretty evil corporation. So fuck them. All right, this has been Equity. <laughs> My name's Alex. That's Danny and Natasha. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs>